going today, guys. We're back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. I am joined via Skype on Wednesday, November 10th, 2021 by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. What's going on, everyone? Happy middle of the week. Happy Wednesday. Yep. Happy middle of the week. Happy to have you back on here, Ben. We were going to podcast yesterday, but we figured, you know, why not wait 12 more hours, 18 more hours to have the college football playoff officially released, which we'll get to in a second. I do want to say this. We apologize for missing Friday picks, but I had to go celebrate the Braves winning a World Series. Don't know if I'll see that again for a long time. Atlanta winning anything and it did not disappoint, guys. Did not disappoint. Going to the championship parade is unreal. Ben, did y'all do y'all do do they do championship parades when you won the college football national championship? Uh they don't do like a parade per se. It's just everyone kind of runs to the to the street, to the strip of uh in Tuscaloosa and kind of someone blares music from the bars and then just kind of one big party in the streets. That sounds about right. That's about what it was all throughout Atlanta and the battery and everything was a party in the streets. Um Another thing we got to talk about here that could lead to another party in the streets in Tuscaloosa is the college football final four came out yesterday to no one's shock. I think it was number one nation was the Georgia Bulldogs. Number two, Alabama Crimson Tide. Number three, we have the Oregon Ducks and number four, we had the Ohio state Buckeyes. Ben, would you have made any changes or do you think the committee got it right? Well, I mean, you texted me a couple hours before. What do I think it's going to be? Everyone moved up a spot essentially. Yeah, um, I wasn't expecting to see Cincinnati in there, even though all all three out of the four teams kind of struggled their way to a win. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Oregon, Ohio State, and Alabama kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. I, it, I wasn't expecting any change. Cincinnati's they're honestly in a great position. I feel like because the odds that Alabama loses another game are not not great, but I'd say there's a there's a chance they play at Auburn, then they obviously have to beat Georgia. Yeah. There's a chance, there's a decent chance Oregon loses. They have to go at Utah. There's a decent chance Ohio State loses because they still, um, Ohio State still has to play. This week they play uh, Purdue. Shouldn't be that difficult, but you never know. I don't know. But you hey, never know hey, with Purdue. Hey, if a team has has a number less than ten against, has a single digit ranking against them, Purdue plays like God every week. They're the best in the country. They have the most wins against top five opponents ever as a program. But then they play Michigan State at home, and then they go at Michigan, which I know they've had Michigan's number for a long time. But it's not. It may not be an easy game. You just never know. Uh, playing at the Big House can be tough. And then Cincinnati, you know, if they went out and their schedule looks like it got a little easier with SMU already having a loss, that's not going to be the the hyped up undefeated matchup. SMU actually be. lost again. They lost again. I know they're they're kind of well, they are on a losing streak now. So Cincinnati's schedule gets a little easier. Um, so if they go undefeated, I do think they're going to get in because, you know, it, it's pretty interesting the way you look at it, the uh, rankings. Because what happens if Alabama loses in the SEC championship game close and Ohio state loses again, Oregon loses again, Michigan loses again, Michigan state loses again, Oklahoma loses. Like what, what are they going to do? So I do think there could be a scenario where a two loss Alabama gets in. It'd have to be a close game though. They would have to play a damn good game and get past Auburn in order for that to happen. 
I personally think, though, if Alabama goes out there and gets the doors blown off them by Georgia, I think that Oklahoma would get in there as a one-loss team. I mean, we are still got Oklahoma State and Notre Dame as well sitting back there as one-loss teams. Look, if that is, I'm glad you brought this point up. I think if you're even going to entertain the thought of having a one-loss or two-loss Alabama in there, all I'm saying is Texas a and sitting there with two losses. You have to consider them over Alabama because they beat them head-to-head if you're going to try to put a two-loss team in there. I would rather see a two-loss Texas A&M in there just because I want these head-to-head games to matter, which we've seen the committee be consistent on. I would not be shocked at all to see a two-loss Texas A&M in there. But to be honest with you, I think that would open the door for Cincinnati to be in. So I, I, I want to get this out there. Uh, if Alabama loses – to, to Auburn or to Georgia, if they have two losses, I do not think they should get in no matter what. Um, and while we thought the head-to-head was meaning something to the committee, I don't know how much we can say that anymore because Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State. They played 12 days ago. Yeah. And Michigan State won that game. So they kind of just threw a curveball at everyone. Why, you know, they the the head man of the committee was like, we've, we've, our numbers, what we go by, what we look at as a committee, we think Michigan's a better team. But they played 12 days ago, and that was proven wrong. Exactly. If, if, if you want to say Ohio State's a better team than Oregon right now, I can make a case for that. But the committee doesn't even think that because Oregon's been ahead of Ohio State back-to-back weeks. So I don't know I don't know what that means, what he said. I don't know why Michigan's ahead of Michigan State. I don't know what that means going forward. I think they made a mistake with having Michigan ahead of Michigan State. I do agree with you on that. I think that is a big-time mistake. Um, do you think if Oklahoma wins this week against Baylor, which will be a high-quality win, do you think that helps them crack the top five, the top four? Uh, yeah, uh, top four. If those three teams win, I mean, Bama's playing New Mexico State. Um, so assuming they do what they do, even if they don't cover the 55-point spread, whatever it is, I think they stay at two. Um Georgia, obviously, if they beat Tennessee at Tennessee, they'll stay at one. If Oregon and Ohio State win, even though Oklahoma beating Baylor's better than beating Purdue, yeah, I don't think they move in the top four. I think they go right behind. I don't know. I, I think they could maybe jump to Michigan's level to six and be behind Cincinnati now. Maybe, maybe even ahead of Cincinnati if they really want to disrespect them again. See, I think they probably take, take Oklahoma to five. And then I think once Oklahoma State gets that second win, because they have to play Oklahoma State and Iowa State still, I don't know which team comes next. But I think if that they convincingly win these two games back-to-back, I think that's enough to project them into the top four. But then again, at the same time, they may make them win all three to project them into the top four. It really doesn't matter either way, because if Oklahoma wins out, we know for a fact they're going to find their way into that top four and whatever. Like, I really think Oklahoma might make They would have earned it at that point. They go 3-0 yeah. and in this last stretch and win the Big 12 championship. You can you can definitely say they've earned it. Absolutely, and I think if if they make them play all three games where they put them in there, I bet you they'll crack the top four at number two as well. I could definitely see that happening as well. So it's gonna be yeah, we got a lot to unfold still. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot to unfold still. It's gonna be like I feel like these last spots are still wide open. Like me and you were texting back and forth. I said I feel like one of these teams is gonna definitely lose. Well, then I thought about it for a second and I was like, wait, no shit. Georgia and Alabama have to play each other. So I rephrased it and I said I think. Out of the t- out, uh, excluding Georgia, I think out of, in Alabama, I think one of either Oregon or Ohio State or Cincinnati is going to drop one. Yeah, I, I mean, Oklahoma's got the highest chance to lose because they have the 
highest quality of schedule left, but uh, Ohio State's schedule is not easy. I know that they're used to kind of cakewalking yeah. in the in the Big Ten. I don't think that's the case this year. Michigan State is going to play hard every single week under Mel Tucker. Hey, and you know something else, too? I watched the most lopsided rivalry in the South, Georgia Tech versus Georgia, for about the all 26 years of my existence with my dad going to Georgia Tech, me being somewhat a Georgia Tech fan. I have seen Georgia Tech beat Georgia before. Michigan will beat Ohio State again eventually. This year could be the year. Never say never in rivalry games, especially. You're not going to go – you know in a rivalry game you're going to get the biggest punch. Michigan has played well. I just feel like one of Michigan or Michigan State – is the type of team that could give Ohio State a run for their money, and they're probably going to have to beat somebody again as well in that Big Twin Championship game as well. So that's another little twist to it. So, Ben, let's talk hypothetically here. Let's say Oklahoma drops one game against one of these teams, then turns around and beats them in the national championship, and you have them as the – or, sorry, in the uh, Big Ten Championship. Would you put put Oklahoma in the Final Four? It would have to depend on what everyone else does, obviously. Mm-hmm. If the, in that case, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, if Oregon wins the Pac-12, I think those two teams are still ahead of Oklahoma because there's nothing on Oklahoma's schedule that outperforms Oregon beating Ohio State at Ohio State. Even if it was the beginning of the year, if Oregon only has one loss and it's that Stanford loss, which isn't great, mm-hmm. they still have that Ohio State win that no one else can top. And so I still think their top win is going to be better than Oklahoma's best win in that case would be what at Iowa State, maybe, maybe home against Oklahoma State if they win that one. So I would still say Oregon's got the better resume. Yeah. And look, I would look at it more this way. If you have a one loss Oregon, one loss Ohio State, obviously you have to, and one loss Oklahoma, you got to put Oregon in there because of the head to head with Ohio State. I mean, they went in their house and beat them. So you absolutely have to put them in there. I think you look at it this way for Oklahoma. Look, We've given you plenty of cracks at it. Y'all haven't done shit. Let's put Ohio State in here and let those four teams run it out. That's the way I look at it is Oklahoma gets to be the odd man left out. It will be interesting, though, if you have a one-loss Notre Dame in there and undefeated Cincinnati. That is going to make things interesting. They're getting no talk. Yeah, because, I mean, hey, that if I'm Notre Dame, that's the way I want it to be, too, is nobody talking about us. I mean, you know for a fact if they have any possible way they can put Notre Dame in that Final Four, they will run them back in there for sure. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, it is kind of funny, though. We've seen all these teams in the Final Four. It's the same damn teams every single year. I, who's I'm trying to think outside of Florida State, have we had any teams in the, in there that haven't been in there again? It's been Washington. Yeah, Wash, Washington, Oregon, and Florida State are the only teams that have shown up one time. Other than that, everybody else has made it at least once. Oregon would be a second time team. So, I mean, we can say what we want to, but it's the same teams that dominate college football every single freaking year. Actually, Michigan yeah. State got in there once too. But yeah. Still. But they didn't score a point. Yeah, so um, I mean, do they even really count? <laughs> Notre Dame, they've kind of – they're in that same category that you just put Oklahoma in. Like, they've kind of had their chances in the playoff as well, mm-hmm. and they've actually performed worse than Oklahoma. At least Oklahoma went to a game that went to overtime. They, they almost won a game. Notre Dame hasn't really been close. Yeah, I mean, I'd say Notre Dame did a decent job of holding their own with juggernaut Alabama last year. They probably held their own the most anybody did last year. But, yeah, I mean, they definitely they definitely looked outmatched. Other than Florida. I thought Florida and the SC Championship played a good game. You're right. You're right. Florida did have them on their heels. Hey, ever since that game, man, it's all been unraveling for Florida. Um, real quick here before we go over to NFL, you want to talk a little bit about Florida? you think Dan Mullen's job's safe? Ooh, no, I wouldn't say safe, no. Um 
they just fired Todd Grantham and they just fired someone else uh, on the defensive staff. Mm-hmm. That's obviously step one to new regime. Uh, I thought Grantham should have been fired before last before this year even started. Um, once was regarded as one of the highest paid defensive coordinators and one of the best defensive coordinators. He's really struggled since him and Mullen have been at Florida together. Uh, they had one year where their pass rush was really good. Ever, ever since then, they've had a really bad secondary. If you want to go back to demolishing a program, ever since Marco Wilson threw the cleat and got yep. that penalty, Florida's been awful. Um, you know, I'd like to hear Dan Mullen's pitch to why he should keep his job because his record at Florida against ranked opponents is not good at all. Um, it's actually really bad. It's one of the worst in the country. So – I don't know. I think he would make if he loses the Florida State, he's gone the next day. And if that game's in Tallahassee, I don't even know if they let him back on the plane. Just pull Lane Kiffin, just fire him on the tarmac. Um, if they lose again, like this week, they play South Carolina. If they lose that, he might not make it to Florida State. Um, no, they, they they just lost to South Carolina, Florida. Did they just lose? Yeah, oh, they that got last, that was last week. Yeah, not only did they lose to South Carolina last week, but they got their asses they did kicked. Get killed. You're right. Yeah, they did. Who do they have left? Let me look up. They play um, oh, some like Sanford. F- yep, Sanford, yeah. and then they play Florida State in some trash SEC. In Mizzou. Opponent. Yep. Yeah, they play at Mizzou, and then Florida State to finish the year. I mean, if he loses another game, he's he's probably gone. If he loses to Missouri, I think he might resign. I don't even think he'll address the media after the game's over. I think he'll just pack his bags and dip out of town. Like, I think it'll be one of those things where he has the cab waiting for him out of the stadium. They all go in the locker room, and he'll go ahead and just walk out and hop in the cab. That but- would – that would mean his wife can't kiss his players on the lips anymore. Say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Mullen will, won't have too much trouble finding another <laughs> job. I feel like that Mullen is – He'll get another with, job. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Dan Mullen will always have another job for sure. Um, look – Could be in the NFL. I personally think Dan Mullen's one of the better coaches in college football. I think this is his big-time problem. So I actually listened to a lot of sports talk this week. I've, uh, I actually have, have some bad news. I ruptured my uh, – I guess I tore – my um what's it my plantar fascia and my foot playing basketball on sunday so i've been stuck in bed all week yeah it's it's tough i'm getting old man but so i haven't been not, done nothing but pretty much listen to sports talk and watch sports since it has happened and i actually heard a really good point now i think this is dan mullen's problem after that kid threw the shoe in the crowd and florida lost dan mullen was just kind of like whatever you know he brushed off he's just kind of like shit happens then you turn around you play a close game against against alabama and He's just kind of like, whatever, shit happens. Then you go out and get your ass handed to you by Oklahoma. And you know what he said? Uh, we didn't care about that game. We literally said we didn't care about that game. We used it as an exhibition. Our goal was to win a national championship, and that was over. After they lost to Alabama, what has happened? This team has not cared. They have not responded at all after losing to Alabama. And it's because Dan Mullen established it's a national championship or bust. Once we bust, who cares? We're ready for next season. And I think that is his biggest problem. Well, they've, they've folded like a lawn chair, certainly right now, losing to South Carolina. I mean, yeah, um, that, that was a team whose win total was projected at three and a half. So you play three out of conference games. That's basically saying, will they win an SEC game? Obviously, South Carolina ended up going over that with the win now. But, I mean, that's just that's just not the way that you coach a football team. You know, he portrayed, portrayed a bad message there. And I think that is ultimately what is hurting him. Anthony Richardson apparently got hurt dancing in the hotel room. <laughs> It's just there's no leadership. There's there's nothing there, and yeah, they folded I it on him. I wouldn't fault him as much though for the Anthony Richardson thing. I'm sure there's tons. I'm of not others. faulting him for that. 
I'm not faulting him for that. I'm just saying when your team is locked in and when you have good leadership from, from the front office to the captain of your football team, this doesn't happen. No, I don't. If, if they're, if they're uh, a one-loss team or a two-loss team, I can promise you he's not doing a dance move that's going to injure him. I'll promise yeah. you that. No, 100%. You think Jordan, you think, I'm sure Jordan has their players dancing in the locker room. I'm sure they're not getting hurt. No, not at I'm all. I'm sure they're not putting their bodies in positions to get hurt. Florida's four and five right now. They don't care about anything. No, they don't. Florida's team is completely crumbled on the season. If they were not to become bowl eligible or at least finish 7-5, and five, I think you could kiss Dan Mullen goodbye. He's probably bought himself just a tiny bit more time. He kind of sacrificed the coaches, but if it goes off the rails quick next season, he's out of there. Shoot, I still wouldn't be surprised to see him just dip out on Florida in the offseason. You know, get that be a lot of. There's going to be a lot of head coach. There's a lot of head coaching vacancies. Call me crazy, but see, the thing I always hear about Dan Mullen is he's not a great recruiter and he doesn't recruit it the way that Florida does. I feel like a guy who actually knows how to coach that is not a great recruiter could pay off in the NFL. I don't know how NFL players would deal with him or how he'd be able to deal with personalities in the NFL, but I think Dan Mullen's a damn good coach. I mean, we saw him coach a, coach a hell of a game multiple times this season. I mean, he was coaching a good game against Georgia until, you know, the wheels came off with those turnovers and that just kind of like just shook the entire ship, you know, but I would be interested to see how Dan Mullen could do in the NFL, but I feel like going to another college program is probably up his alley. Yeah, Prescott's always spoke very highly of him. Mm-hmm. He has, and I mean, he always won at out Mississippi State with lesser. You know, he was he wasn't getting five stars at Mississippi State. He was getting threes, maybe a couple fours, a lot of twos, and he was winning with them. So I think it'd be interesting to definitely see something with that. Um, let's move on anyway to the NFL part of this podcast. We'll revisit Heisman talk again next week because I don't think there is too much mix up in it so far. Let's talk about though. Some crazy week of NFL it was. We had a lot of huge underdogs went outright. We had teams without without key players pull off big wins as well. It was an insane week of NFL. But let's talk about who had the most impressive win. That would be between the shorthanded Tennessee Titans without King Derrick Henry and their running back or the Arizona Cardinals without the touchdown sensei himself, Kyler Murray. Ben, who had the more impressive win to you and why? All right, this might surprise people. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think when you have a short week, it's not necessarily a disadvantage for the Titans that Derrick Henry wasn't there. It's mm-hmm. a totally different offense. It gives it gives the opponent uh, a really short week. It was the Rams to prepare for an offense without Derrick Henry, something that there's not a lot of film on in terms of the Titans over the past couple of years. And you can, I think, you know, a running back is – even though Derrick Henry does a, mm-hmm. a lot for the Titans, he's not your entire offense. Kyler Murray is the entire offense for for the Cardinals, or at least we thought they were. James Conner's kind of exploded, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals because Colt McCoy didn't look like a backup at all. He actually looked incredible. He played an incredible game, executed a great game plan. They looked just fine with him, and if Kyler's not 100%, the fact that I think they're – are they 8-1 and one now, the Cardinals? Yeah, uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're 8-1 and one now. I think you have the luxury to sit him again if he's not 100%. Now that the Rams lost another game, it's, it's really impressive what the Titans did without Derrick Henry. But I'm, in, I'm interested to see now what do you do with them. Now there's film on you what your offense might look like without Derrick Henry. Can you continue to do it? So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the both teams did get fortunate with turnovers and penalties, but I mean, the Titans were basically gifted two touchdowns. I'm going to agree with you, but also too, you got to think about this. The Cardinals didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't have AJ Green. They didn't have JJ Watt, and they still went out there and Chase Edmonds. Yeah, even Chase Edmonds got hurt in the game, and they whooped up on San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco did, did definitely get unlucky, but I mean, that's just such an impressive win. Now, like you said, you have the luxury to sit these guys again. I mean, you play the Cardinals this week with, or the Panthers this week with PJ Walker starting at quarterback. I mean, you can sit your 10 and a half point home favorites. You can sit down this week and let Colt McCoy play once again, let Kyler Murray sit and heal up. I think it was a big win because they basically said, look, we can be missing our, I mean, there's probably 30 Pro Bowls between those four guys I named yet they can still win the game somehow. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. It shows how deep you are at the receiving court. It shows how good of a coach Cliff Kingsbury is, even though I don't think he's that great. But, hey, that's a hell of a coaching job because that's definitely on him to get Colt McCoy out there and win a game. I just think in general, like you said, you know, it gives the Cardinals more time to get healthy. We all know how night and day Kyler Murray is when he isn't isn't healthy, and it gives them more time with that. I think it's impressive, too, because Arizona said, look, we, we have the best record in the NFL, and nobody's talking about us as being the best team in the NFL. I don't think they're the best team in the NFL, but I still think that's a hell of a win, and it's a big motivation spot for them as well. So got to give my hats off to Arizona there. Let's talk about now the two teams that had terrible losses this week. That would be the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills. Dallas lost at home to the Broncos as 10-point favorites. The Bills were 14.5-point favorites as well to the Jags. I'll go first on this one. Look. Both losses are pretty bad to begin with. Dallas loses to Denver after they traded Von Miller and Bradley Chubbs out for the season. I'm going to say this, though. I'm going the other side here, and that's the Bills. If you're the Bills, how the hell do you not even score a touchdown against Urban Meyer? I know Josh Allen got picked off, sacked, and forced to fumble from other Josh Allen, and it must have just completely screwed with his mind. But this is terrible. You're a Buffalo team that's fight, that's arguably the best team in the league, most impressive team in the league so far this season. You're going to play arguably – third fourth worst team in the entire league and not only do you lose them but you get dominated your offense can't do anything it's a sloppy game you can't do anything the entire game I thought that was an absolutely embarrassing loss for them I give Dallas a little bit more of a pass because they are 0 and 10 the last 10 times they played the Broncos the Broncos just have Dallas's number so how somehow there there is literally zero excuse for the Bills not to win that game This is easy for me. This is absolutely the Bills had the worst loss. I mean, yep. the Jags, not only did you lose, you put up six points. That's so, so bad. If you kind of look at the Bills' record, they're five and three, okay? Mm-hmm. Their, their wins are at Miami, Washington, Houston, at Kansas City, Miami. There might not be a single playoff team there. Wow. They've lost, they've lost to Pittsburgh at Tennessee and Jacksonville. That's two possible playoff teams. Most likely only one, though. Yeah. The, the Bills are not playing great football, even when their record was great and I was all over them. Still not playing great football. They got caught. playing Not, not playing great football back-to-back weeks. Well, can't say that for the Cowboys because the Cowboys won one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row at one point. I just think they were due for a loss. It just happened in this week. If they lose to Atlanta this week, I think you have cause for concern because they're scheduled. Then they go at Kansas City. They could possibly lose three games in a row. But in that uh, five-game win streak, the Chargers played at – or I'm sorry, the Cowboys played at the Chargers, Philly, K- 
Carolina, the Giants at New England and Minnesota. That's two possible playoff teams. Both of them winning on the road at New England at the Chargers. They were just due for a loss. They didn't look great, but it happens. You're not going to win every single week in the NFL. The fact that they were on a six-game win streak, I think they're fine. Um, like I said, they lose this week to the Falcons. It's two losses in a row. Then they go at Kansas City. Then you have reason to uh, cause for concern if they lose to Atlanta. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one, Ben. Also, too, I didn't even realize that about the Bills, that they haven't even beaten really a playoff team and any good teams yet this season. That's a hell of a catch by you. Another great point, guys, by Ben Gorwitz. Let's talk now about a rookie QB. And, and got... people people kept saying, like, I can't explain I can't explain the loss to Pittsburgh. It's such a bad loss. It might not be that bad of a loss anymore because Pittsburgh's kind of turning it around. Yeah, Pittsburgh's defense flies around, makes plays for him. I mean, somehow Big Ben's been able to do something for him. Still, though, can't ever trust Pittsburgh. He's a big favorite. He's not doing much. They have, like, one of the worst offenses in the league. They're just winning. He just has so much talent. He just has so much talent at all the skill positions. He just gets lucky somehow. Like, Najee Harris is easily a tier one running back. Like, Deontay Johnson, great slot. I mean, Juju, Kloop, obviously Juju's out, but Claypool and Frymuth, the tight end, are also beasts. So, I mean, like, he just honestly is just somehow able to get the ball out to him, and the defense just sets him up. TJ Watt, man, playmaker. Um, let's talk a little bit about now Jordan Love. Jordan Love had his first NFL start. He struggled mightily against the Blitz. He was six for 13 passing for 42 yards. Ben, you want to talk a little bit about what happened? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm that shocked. I mean, listen, playing, I know Kansas City does not have a great defense, but it is one of the louder stadiums in all of the NFL. Um, Aaron Rodgers said he probably would put it up there as the loudest outdoor stadium in all of the NFL. Obviously, he said outdoor, meaning a key word, because New Orleans is very tough, which is inside of a dome. It's it's really loud in Kansas City. And that making your first start, you know, it's not the easiest play to start off your career, knowing you're facing an offense like Mahomes. And I know that they only put up, thir- I think they only put up 13 points as well. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, uh, Jordan Love should have looked better because he's not a rookie. He's had an entire offseason and an entire season with this team with the same play caller uh it was interesting it was pointed out to you and i over text that they were not going with a silent count they were going trying to use his voice and you know offensive line struggled a little bit jordan love i will say this he can use his legs probably should have used them a little bit more i was listening to aaron Rodgers. he speaks on the pat mcafee show and you know what? He said it's a tough position for Jordan. I don't think he played bad. Obviously, he wouldn't say he played well, but he did use his legs well. And uh, for some reason, if Rodgers can't play this week, they're facing the Seattle Seahawks in Green Bay. I think if Jordan Love had to play that game, I think you would see a lot more confident player playing at home, being a little bit more comfortable another week in the playbook. Um, I think Rodgers will play. He's pretty confident he'll be able to play after he passed some tests on Friday and Saturday. But if Jordan Love has to play, I still like the Packers this week. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to blame Matt LaFleur. I feel like LaFleur did not have a game plan, like you said, with the with the uh, silent count and whatnot to really help Jordan Love. And he even took it on himself in the press conference that he didn't really get do a good job getting Love ready to play. And the reason why I say this, too, is I just felt like watching that game, it just looked sloppy, and it looked like Green Bay threw something together. I think that... 
he was thrown in a terrible spot too because it was like middle of the week where that where Rogers got, it was like on Tuesday or Wednesday where that Rogers got ruled out. So basically, you're having to change an entire game plan up for a completely different quarterback to run, you know, much more conservative, run more play action, things like that. I just feel like that. They had such little time to throw it all together. And, I mean, it showed up on Sunday. It was a sloppy performance by their offense, only putting up seven points against a terrible Kansas City defense. I just think he wasn't ready. And plus, two, I think he's a little rusty, you know. It's kind of like in basketball, for example. You know, you sit on the bench the whole game and you're used to being the starter. You get thrown in there and, and at a random point in the game. You're probably not going to be on your on your game as much, you know. Jordan loves a guy who's used to starting for so long and, you know, get momentum and whatnot as the season goes on. He's, he hadn't played really played football much. And I mean, he hadn't played since preseason week one. And now it's what week eight or nine. I mean, I feel like there's a little rust on him too. And he probably wasn't mentally prepared and ready as he was thrown into a difficult situation. I feel like it was a weird situation. I wouldn't judge Jordan Love based off that one game. Uh, Rogers thought he prepared well, thought he was ready. But uh, obviously, when you lights, camera, action, it's a little bit different story. He'll be fine. Yeah, 100%. I think you got to take your time on Jordan Love. I, I don't think Green Bay should be as concerned as some other people are saying they should and try to keep Aaron Rodgers around. Last topic here before we get up out of here, Ben. It's NFL this season, so far this season has been an absolute shit show. Teams have been losing left and right. Anytime we think we can trust somebody, they have a terrible loss. Anytime we think we can't trust somebody, they go out and get a massive win. As of right now, Ben, who do you really think you could trust to go out and win the Super Bowl? Not a single AFC team. <laughs> Not a single one. See, the th- They're all inconsistent. They're all beating up on each other. Yeah, like the thing is, I feel like Tennessee's playing the best football in the AFC, but like you said, their offense is obviously going to shift. I mean, we're going to have to we're going to have film out on how they shift. I feel like Tennessee is if anything is playing their best football at the wrong time, you know? I feel like they're going to burn out. Dude, the most confident team I have, I think might be the Ravens right now, and that's a problem. Because I've shit on the Ravens left and right, and they're good right now. But no one from the NFC. I think all four division winners in the NFC right now, I think they're all legit teams. Uh, currently, that's the Cowboys, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, you're going to throw the Rams in there. Um, that's it. <laughs> those, those, those five teams from the NFC, I think, are all legit. I, I'd probably say they're all more legit than the AFC teams. And the Bills are really talented. But they don't come to play every week. They're a horrible red zone offense team. They haven't corrected them yet for some reason. They're this is like the third year in a row with Josh Allen as your quarterback, where he doesn't turn the ball over in the red zone yet. They don't put up six points consistently. So I don't trust them. As you said for the Titans, they're missing Derrick Henry. Uh, Baltimore, I mean, they're just missing so many key players on defense. You would think it has to catch up at some point. I think the Steelers. Are the Steelers or Browns in second? The um, Steelers are right now in second. Don't trust them. New England, you can't trust them. Las Vegas Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs, Chargers. There's no trust in any of those teams. No trust in any of those teams at all, Ben. I mean, we're pretty much – the crazy thing is we're halfway through the season. I agree with you on the Ravens, Ben. I mean, the Ravens still have to play a whole second half of the entire season to get their team completely healthy and – it's not going to happen, man. You're just going to have more injuries pile up. Eventually, the Ravens are going to have too many injuries. I know that moment's coming. The NFC side of things, 
Look, if Brady and Rodgers weren't both in the NFC, I would say Brady, Rodgers, Super Bowl, because those would be the two guys I trust the most and the guys I've seen the most out of. I think I trust those two teams the most in the NFC. I mean, we saw Stafford just play a bad game. Now, don't get me wrong. The Rams seem to just play their best football when it comes big time. Like, I remember that year when they went to the Super Bowl. They were the best team in the NFL through 10 games, and then they kind of fell off. And, like, the last two games of the season, they got their mojo going again and ended up going to the Super Bowl. I could definitely see a team some team like that Rams team doing that once again. On the flip side of things. And they made a trade. They haven't seen Von Miller yet. Exactly. That was the other thing, too. They haven't seen Von Miller yet out there. I still think, though, Rodgers, throwaway week one, Aaron Rodgers has looked absolutely unreal and has not backed down from any challenge. He's played up to the level you'd expect him to play at all season long. And then on top of that, you look at Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady literally leads the NFL pretty much in everything when it comes to passing right now. This dude is a beast. He's getting Antonio Brown back now. Gronk's getting back healthy. I mean, you know these Bucks are going to figure it out on defense. They're too talented not to figure it out. As long as they got Devin White and, and, uh, and Domicong Sue and Shaq Barrett on defense, I think the Bucks can do anything. I think they can get a sack when they need it on a third down to get you off the field in the playoffs. I would say I, only teams I trust right now are the Bucks and Green Bay. Speaking of an NFC team, one of the big this is the biggest game of their season. It's the Saints. If the Saints lose to the Titans this week, which I believe it's in Nashville, um, I think you can label the Saints as it's not their season. I'm not gonna call them frauds. They're not frauds because they have Jameis Winston at quarterback and now they don't have Jameis Winston at quarterback. Then they have Trevor Simeon, so it's not like we're expecting much. But they're they might be done. I mean, if the Falcons beat the Cowboys and the Saints lose to the Titans, you're looking at a huge momentum shift in the division. The Falcons are coming. I don't think they're going to do anything serious, but the Saints will not make the playoffs if they lose this week to the Titans. Yeah, I think I expect we'll see the Saints out there with Taysom Hill in their quarterback, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Um, but, look, I don't think Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon can get it done for the Saints. I mean, the Falcons took that shit personally last week that we were seven-point underdogs to Trevor freaking Simeon. I mean, that was the most taking it personally and taking it out on a team I've seen in a while with the Falcons, even though we still almost blew it in the most Atlanta fashion ever. But, hey, we got Cordero Patterson in there, man. He's a beast, so – I just don't think the Saints can do it with what they have. I mean, they literally don't have a wide receiver outside. Of, uh, Kamara is literally their only offensive weapon they have, pretty much. I, I think the Saints are very frauds. I just think they play well at home because of the home crowd. I mean, they definitely do. I still think they should have traded for Danny Bridgewater. Knows the system, played well in yep. the system, a lot more reliable than uh, than um, Simeon and, and Taysom Hill. I mean, I, it is what it is at this point for Sean Payton. Yeah. By the way, the Patriots are are the front runners to get OBJ, apparently. Not shocked by that at all. I got a kind of before we get up out of here, two other just quick little things I want to share with everybody on the podcast. So first one is I'll keep it back at that Saints Falcons game. Ben, did you hear Cordero Patterson's postgame interview after the game was over? I don't know. I didn't. So they kind of they asked Cordero Patterson how he feels about playing three different positions on the football thing. And he said, as a kid, my mom worked three jobs. So playing three positions on a football field is is cake. Got to love that quote right there. Then they also asked him uh, what he would consider himself. And he said he considers himself his position that he plays on the football field. Just a baller because he plays everything on the field. Love hearing that. I mean, that's great mentality from a guy like Cordero Patterson. Nobody deserves to be successful as much as he does. Second one, this is one you're going to like now. So I have an interesting conspiracy theory. He should be a pro bowler. 
Oh, absolutely. He's going to be a pro bowler. Here's my conspiracy theory. This takes us back to the World Series now. So I happened to run into someone who knows a guy that works in the Braves um, front office. So he said that Max Freed got drilled by the Dodgers in his first start against the Astros because he was doing a minor rock when he was throwing off speed pitches and curveballs. He was. And he was tipping it. Yeah, and even you noticed that. And he was tipping his pitches. So the Braves picked up on it and told him, and he was lights out in Houston. Here's my conspiracy theory. Maybe a Dodgers player or two picked up the phone and called and told us because they hate the Astros that much and wanted to see us beat them. I mean, it could easily be something that was caught by the front office. I mean, especially since you caught it on TV, but Hey, that's why we won the world series. Ultimately. I mean, listen, if you watch as many Braves games as me, you, you notice kind of things like that. Max Freed never rocks on the mound. He's as still as it becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can emulate, I could prop my phone up right now and emulate his exact <laughs> pitching motion. Um, this was a video podcast yeah, I mean, we'd ask you to. He, and you know what it was? It's, you know how Luis Garcia did the, the yeah. cradle rock thing? That that was part of his routine. He did every single pitch. Max Freed does not move his hands when he pitches. He puts them right in front of him and he steps yeah. out and he goes into his pitching motion. So, you know, it is what it is. That happens in baseball. People, uh, pitchers are tipping pitches. Sometimes they catch it. Sometimes they don't. I mean, if you bet on baseball as much as you and I probably did, especially me, since I do first five innings for most of my bets, I really lock in on the starting market. There's guys that mm-hmm. have bad bad pitching performances two in a row, and then they figure out their tipping pitches, and then you fix it. So, you know, I don't want to go with that theory because then it kind of seems like the Braves needed help <laughs> to get to the Astros. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. They beat the Astros. Everyone else could suck it. Yeah, I think you're probably right since you noticed that, especially since you've been a lifelong baseball player. It's probably pretty easy for someone to pick up on that in the Braves front office and whatnot. Plus, I'm sure they watched. They got, they got enough video. That's what I was about to say. Plus, I'm sure they watched a ton of film on those starts to try to figure something out. And I'm sure somebody saw it just like that. It shouldn't be too hard. But thought that was a little interesting tidbit I would share with anybody. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? College basketball is back. Yeah, college basketball is back. I could go, tell you 184 guys. games yesterday. Yeah, 184 games yesterday. I did not watch a single one. That wasn't by choice, though. I actually went to go see Eternals and then came back and I watched the Hawks and the Clippers game. Um, I will watch college basketball. I will know some about it. I don't know if we'll talk much about college basketball till it gets cl- till probably February. But you know, guys, college basketball is a long season. We'll learn it as it goes on. There's really no point wasting your time trying to learn it before it starts. I remember last year was one of the first years I really tried to put in time to learn it before the season started. About 80% of that research didn't even freaking matter. I can tell you all this. Gonzaga's <laughs> good. Kansas is good. Duke's good. It's about all you need to know. Yeah, it's, it's about all you missed from day one. <laughs> a couple right. upsets. Oh, yeah. No, there was a couple upsets like that buzzer beater from half court to knock off Wichita State. Um, Villanova or no, not Villanova. Virginia lost in Navy. I mean, absolutely embarrassing. I swear. Citadel Citadel beat Pitt. Shout out Chris Woods. That's my guy. Yeah, I I share. I swear every single year from now on, I'm going to fade Virginia in their first three games of the season because they (laughs) lose to some just like random unknown team within the first like three games of the season every year. And the score is always in the low 60s because it's the same thing every single year with Virginia. Their defense is suffocating and they can't score enough points. So if you can mm-hmm. score on Virginia, they can't keep up. It, it happens. They're, they'll be a great team come come conference play. Exactly, exactly. All right, Ben. Well, let's get up out of here. I promise you guys we will be back with the Friday Picks podcast. We're going to be back on a regular schedule and everything. We got all the good stuff coming for you all once again. We appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.